my Saturday the right way. Playing wiffle ball at Steve's place. League champ since the third week of May. Feel that. While we're working out the lawn chair strike zone. Go on and turn off your cell phone. Whoever needs a call, you can wait. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Holy Commutes podcast morning radio show, the only show in Wiffle Ball that gives you daily Wiffle content from around the Wiffle world. My name is Sam Skibby, filling in for the Steffes Brothers on this Wednesday of Season 16. That's right, Sweet 16 we are in, and I want to thank all of the members of the Holy Commutes gang who have come together to put this on for 16 seasons. Had a great show from the Cook Brothers and had Connor Young on. And the Moss Gum Lords kind of talked about some NWLA tournament. And then we had Tim Dean on yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to get Skylar Burt and Carl Coffey. And then Friday, Tom Gannon will round out week one of season 16. NWLA tournament week. And it is the 12th year of this major tournament. It is one of the longest standing tournament national tournaments in the country right now. And... The SWBL Cardinals have had the pleasure of being a part of every single one of them. Along with KWL, we are the only original remaining teams. And I personally, along with David Ayers, have been a part of all 12 tournaments. So I thought for this Holy Commutes on this Wednesday, as we gear up for the NWLA tournament in Pittsburgh this weekend, I thought we'd talk about 12 moments heading into the 12th year of the NWA tournament. And I've seen a lot of moments come and go. And these are from my perspective, you know, 12 big moments, whether they're from my own team perspective, a player perspective, or just what I witnessed. It is awesome to kind of relive some of these moments. And myself, along with my brother Gus and Spencer Bogad, we all had, we had a text thread going and we were kind of just spitting out different memories that we've had. And it's amazing how many we came up with. So I want to thank everybody that's been a part of our memories throughout these past 11 years and can't wait for the 12th year of this tournament. It started in Ohio with Chris Galloway, went to Morency. You know, we had regionals in St. Louis and Minnesota that we attended. Other places had regionals too, but us specifically went to St. Louis and Minnesota for regionals. And then Pittsburgh, Indy, and back to Pittsburgh we go for year 12. I want to start with my first memory is going to be kind of a, you know, an easy one and kind of a toss up here, but it's the great competition. You know, year after year, we go back with this great competition. I will say for 10 years, the SWBL played in this tournament with zero fast pitch played during the year. It wasn't until MoWIF came that we actually had you know, fast pitch a league here in, in St. Louis. So we actually didn't have any fast pitch experience. So for us, it was a great way to see what we could do and go up against the best competition in the world with clean ball in this style. And there are three huge moments that stick out in my mind and our team's mind of the past. Uh, you know, our, our core four of hitters has been for the past, oh man, however many, eight years or so, for the past eight years has been Spencer Bogad, Chris Metter, Gus Gibby, and myself. That lineup has stood the test of time, and Spencer Bogad can't make it this year. So it'll just be the three of us, um, me, Chris, and Gus, and then we'll have a, a fourth hitter, if maybe even a fifth hitter as well. But there are three pitching performances that we will never forget. And we're not including Farkas in this because we face Farkas so many times. You know, one of our 
you know, one of our most exciting rivals that we've had and had so many great matchups with him. And we're going to talk about Farkas in a moment later. But there are three fast pitch moments that we want to talk about pitchers that we faced in this great competition. In 2015, we faced off against Griffleball, and Griffleball and us had been back and forth rivals. It seemed like we split with them for the longest time, the series. And in 2015, I believe we were ahead in the series by one or two games, felt really confident going into that year, uh, just came off of a third place finish, and we were sky high, ready to go, and we weren't facing any of their best pitchers. We were facing off against a guy named Matt Kuna. And Matt Kuna had pitched for them before, but never really found as much success. Matt Kuna found lightning in a bottle in 2015 and struck out, I believe, 15 of us in a complete game win for Griffleball. And Griffleball ended up not making it as far as us in that tournament. And they halted our path from being 2-0 and in double elimination. So we, we credit Matt Kuna for us losing uh, that year in 2015 and not getting to the championship game. And Matt Kuna was just a man on a mission. We had never seen a pitching performance like that. And then obviously you have the Farkas years, but in 2019, it was the that was pittsburgh i believe in 2019 yes pittsburgh or one of the last years of morency forgive me but there i think it was last year morency the one that awaa won the championship we got eliminated in double elimination by bush and Kavon. both of our losses went from bush and Kavon. bush pitched against us um and Kavon obviously have been rolling. He was the tournament MVP that year when they won in 2019. And Kavon's was an amazing performance. We hadn't seen anything like it. I think Bush and Kavon struck us out 16 and 17 respectively batters in those games out of 18 in the six inning game. We had never seen a pitching performance like that. And we never saw one again in 2020, 2021, uh, 2022 with Smithy and, and Reed. You know, we lost to Smithy twice and Reed as well. But to... Uh, have Kayvon and Bush pitch those amazing performances showed us what true pitching was. <laughs> we, we've had some performances that are great on our end. We've had Jackson Crosley pitch amazing games, Spencer pitch amazing games, Cam Smith pitch amazing games. But watching Bush and Kayvon at their craft when they were at their peak was something amazing to witness. And you just kind of threw your bat down and was like, yep, we definitely got beat here by amazing pitching. So the great competition throughout the years is my first great memory. So thank you to everybody that we have played in the past 11 years. My next memory is the Galloway era. For those of you that got to experience it, you witnessed so much and such amazing tournament direction. Uh, the the things that stick out the most were the the beer day, I believe 2015. And at the Friday night festivities, he paid for everybody's beer on Friday. Um, it was had to have cost more money in that 2015-2016 year than any other tournament ever. And he went all out in his last year. And the feeling that you got walking through the row of flags at that Sports Ohio First Complex and you get to see the Jumbotron and you get to see the immaculate fields and you see the volunteers that he hired. It wasn't league members. It was volunteers from Ohio that he hired to get all this set up. When you see all this happening, you felt like you were a part of something huge. 
and ESPN couldn't have touched it. You know, there, nobody could have touched what Galloway had in in that era. Um, there's no Fox Sports, no Bally Sports, nothing could could have outdid what Galloway brought to us. So we are so thankful for the Galloway era. Um, the cake pops, you know, I remember the wiffle ball cake pops he had custom made and how seriously he took it was just something to behold. You know, I was, I had the pleasure of being one of the committee members with Galloway. And at times I felt like I was kind of like his right hand man at, in a few moments. And one of, one of the things that stuck out was one time we got there early and we were helping set up and the volunteers were all there all day long. And Galloway hands me his credit card. He says, Sam, go to the nearest fast food restaurant, I believe it was KFC around the corner, go to KFC and pretty much buy everything you can. And no joke, I went to KFC and I pretty much purchased the entire restaurant um, with his credit card. And he said, and get anything for yourself. And I was like, what do I need to get? You just got the whole restaurant. I mean, buckets of chicken, every side possible that they had. I pretty much said anything that's currently made, we want it and we'll take it. I mean, they had to almost close the store down and give everything that they had to us. And then I brought it back to uh, the table, set it all down. It took like a whole car load to get it all in. So um, I'll never forget those moments with Galloway. And I've been lucky to, to call him my friend throughout the years, gone to basically Baseball games together in St. Louis and, um, you know, had a good time getting to know each other uh, outside of wiffle ball as well. So thank you to Chris Galloway and his, his era of wiffle ball of bringing all of us together. That first year in 2012, another moment I'll remember is the London and NWLA tournament connection. And that first year, every single team that pretty pretty much played in the NWLA tournament, the original eight teams, also played in the London Wiffle Ball Tournament, a slow-pitch tournament that has multiple teams. I'm talking 60 teams. And it's an underhand tournament. You know, people snow coned the balls to you. And there was a strike zone on the ground, like softball behind home plate. And it was uh, very... And it's, it was the most poorly run, well-run tournament, if that makes any sense to you. Um, it was kind of like clockwork, but every, it was like random how poorly run it was. But nothing against it because it is a fantastic tournament and so many people come out to it and it supports our local baseball team there. But I remember we had to play in the London tournament. Then we came back to the church we played in in the first year in 2012. And then you had to play pool play. We started pool play probably at 9 30 9 o'clock at night and then we were playing until 2 a.m i remember facing a ryan bush 100 mile an hour fastball at 2 a.m to lose to ocwa our first loss in pool play uh, that first year so uh it was an, it's an experience that only those of us that were there that first year can remember and talk about uh, 2 a.m playing in pool play luckily we figured it out by then uh, speaking of going to every single tournament, and David Ayers can probably do the same thing, but I may edge him out in how many NWLA t-shirts I have because in the Galloway era, we had separate t-shirts for the committee members so that people could see the bright yellow and come up and talk to us about anything. So I have every single NWLA tournament t-shirt from 2012 all the way coming up to this year. And I don't really wear any of them. I kind of, I have one and I'll talk about the best one in a second. And I don't really wear any of them. I have them in an underbed storage in our basement, uh, in the unfinished part of our basement with a storage area. And I'm so excited to, when all this is over, either my career or in the NWA tournament finally comes to a close, hopefully well into the future, I will 
have a picture of every single one. Even if I'm not playing, I still want to go just to get the t-shirt so I can add to that collection because I think Ayers and I might be the only ones that can continue this streak, so I don't want it to end. But Chris Metter, my teammate, longtime teammate, will agree with me. The best t-shirt feel, the way it looks, everything is the 2016 gray NWLA t-shirt. I will be bringing it this weekend. You probably won't see it because it's so comfy. I use it mostly as a pajama shirt. But if I ever want to feel good about myself, um, I put that t-shirt on, you know, especially in front of my wife. And I, you know, I I maybe flex a little bit and man, it makes you look fantastic. Uh, Chris Metter will tell you, I mean, he does, he does CrossFit and everything. I don't do anything, but it's, it makes you feel swole. So thank you, Chris Galloway for providing the 2016 gray tournament t-shirt shirt for allowing us skinny guys to have some muscle in uh, in the looks of a t-shirt so gray 2016 if you don't have it you're missing out and if you do have it you know exactly what i'm talking about i'm going to stick with you know around the ohio and morency area time and let's talk about a guy from the hrl who is probably one of the most well-known characters in wiffle ball and that is hater spelled h8 capital r all capitals there but hater there's two moments in his career that I will never, ever forget. The first one was, I believe it was semifinals, and it was the first year in Morency. And I remember it was in the semifinals, I believe, of the game we were playing uh, the Hessfield wiffle ball team that came with like a, a small skeleton crew, but still made it very far. And we'll talk about that game later too. But he got right into the bucket in Morency, filled with ice that normally was filled with the water bottles. And he just dunked his whole body like one of those cold ice baths that people take after competitions. And he didn't care that there were still water bottles in it. He just got right in and dunked his entire body. Pretty sure he was just in his underwear and got right into it. Um, it was a sight to behold. And the sound he emitted when he went in, everybody playing in the game, not playing the game, turned and looked. And there's Hater in a trash can size of ice. So um, thank you, Hater, for the memory. Another memory of Hater, uh, I don't think anybody will ever forget, is him flirting with Miss Ohio uh, in that year. Miss Ohio sang the national anthem, and he was hell-bent on making sure that Miss Ohio came home with him that evening. So I don't think it ever happened, but he sure, he sure made an effort. And so uh, when it comes to these tournaments, there's a lot of men at these tournaments. So when Miss Ohio showed up to sing national anthem, Hater was the first and only that pounced. So thank you, Hater, for the memories. Moving back to our team, uh, Jackson Crosley has been a longtime standing member of our NWA tournament team. Since 2016, he's only missed one tournament, and that's when it was first year in Pittsburgh. So he'll be coming back for his first year in Pittsburgh this year. And Jackson Crosley in 2016, he was the second best pitcher probably on paper for the tournament. Ryan Bush kind of edged him out. Obviously, they won the national championship that year. We got second um, to OCWA. But Jackson Crosley was an amazing pitcher in his rookie year. He's never been able to replicate it since. But that year, he pitched, I think, three two no hitters in one perfect game in, in and had another win on top of that that was maybe a one or a two hitter. And he pitched, I don't remember who our semi our, our quarterfinal matchup was against, but he pitched in that game and he afterwards he told us, guys, I'm done. I'm ready to just, you know, my arm's hurting. I'm going to hang it up, drink some beers. So him and Tyler Flackney, um, at the time, HRL was eliminated and 
Jackson decided his tournament was done and we were going to have to kind of take the pitching from here. And he stopped everything and started drinking beer with Tyler Flackney. Tyler told us afterwards he probably had 10 beers with Jackson. They both had 10 beers each, almost finished a case together. And we actually win our semifinal game, not expecting to. And we get to the finals um, against Farkas. Uh, excuse me, that was the semifinals, Farkas. And we we're facing Farkas in the semifinals. And because this is the year OCWA won, obviously. But in 2016, we get to the semifinals against Farkas. This is the famous Farkas home run um, that I hit off of Farkas to, to take the win, the broken bat picture that has been around the Wiffle world a few times, even used this year in promotions from Jacob Davey. But before that, he had 10 beers, comes up and throws a no-hitter against WSEM to get us to the finals and then, of course, only, only to lose to a OCWA team that hit three people in their finals. But it was an amazing run by Jackson Crosley and one that I hope he, he finds again this year and in the future. Um, and his arm never has felt the same after that year. But what an amazing run it was. So thank you, Jackson, for those memories. My brother, Gus, some of you may know. Uh, many people think he's the older brother, but no, that's me. Uh, but Gus... One year back in 2014, I believe, there was a team called the Mississippi Yard Wiffle Ball League. A lot of people, you know, were, were not impressed with Mississippi Yard from, from a standpoint of, you know, pre-tournament, you know, they weren't, they weren't doing what they were supposed to, to an in-tournament. It seemed like they were not very good guys, but we faced them, I believe, in pool play, and I'm thinking we were up by maybe 21, 22 runs at this point. We're up by maybe 21, 22 runs. And as many of you know who have played in the NWLA tournament, there is not an infield fly rule. So up by 21 runs, I was pitching at the time and I was literally throwing lob balls because nobody wanted to waste our arm being up 21 runs. Not wasting any time. I lob in the ball and they sky one. And there is a runner on first and second, I'm pretty sure. And skies went up into the air. And I don't think there's any outs. And Gus, on purpose, drops the ball tags the guy on uh tags the guy on second they tag the guy on first and then he tossed me the ball into the pitcher's poison for a triple play end of inning now Gus we're up 21 runs I looked at him in complete disbelief right after he threw me the ball and I caught it for the triple play he looks at me he goes what have I done because he realized in that moment just how much of an a-hole he was being at that time. And he instantly started to apologize to Mississippi Yard, but Mississippi Yard was not having any of it. They were yelling that infill fly was a rule. They were yelling, you know, obviously you're up 21 runs. What's wrong with you? And Gus, if you know Gus, he, he wasn't doing it maliciously. He was just thinking strategically, but being up 21 runs really made him look like the a-hole that he, he was out to be. So uh, that is one play I will never, ever forget and something that uh, me and Gus still laugh about today from 2014. Speaking of past things, you know, regionals were once a thing in the NWLA tournament. And I want to thank all the regional hosts for uh, the two or three years that regionals happen. We had to host a regional and it wasn't easy. Um, you know, Galloway obviously, you know, funded a lot of it and um, did a great job of bringing volunteers. But your league had to pretty much put on a little bit of a show. 
Uh, we all had a, a fun time at one of our sponsors, 1356 Public House, and we went there and they did toast ravioli for everybody. So everybody got to experience toast ravioli in St. Louis. And we actually didn't bring a lot of our main national team players. We had to have a couple so that we could qualify. Um, but we, we didn't have a lot. Of, we had other people that we gave chances to. Um, a couple of people like Alex Heck and Luke Bakula, who are members of our league, that never would have a chance to play and travel to a tournament, but they got to play in that one. We remember Alex Heck getting struck out by Jack Shannon when Jack Shannon was just unstoppable for um, PWL, the Potomac Wiffleball League, at the time. And then we also remember Luke Bakula hitting a home run uh, and getting his first taste of home run. Peter Light also hitting a home run in Minnesota. So shout out to them kind of putting their mark on regionals as well. Spencer threw a no hitter at that regional in St. Louis and we brought him to the NWLA tournament and he never missed a year except for this coming year, obviously. So Spencer was on our team ever since he threw that no hitter in regionals. And then I'll still remember another name, Tyler Flackney, I'll bring up in Minnesota. He and I went toe to toe and I bring this up because it is the best pitching performance of my life. And it was a pitch that my brother Spencer and Chris and I coined the HRL pitch. So when I'm pitching it now, I say, I'm going to try the HRL pitch. And it's literally just this, you know, Caleb Yonkman slurve almost. And I threw it the entire game against HRL and it was so effective. And I've never been able to do it again. I don't know what it was about that Minnesota air, but next year, if it's in Minnesota, maybe I have to make one more appearance on the mound just so I can throw and see if it works in that Minnesota air. But Flackney, I, Flackney and I went toe to toe. We actually tied. So I think both HRL and SWBL ended as three Oh and one. So we Never lost, but we all had a tie against each other. And I think, Tyler, if I'm not mistaken, I may have edged you out. I had one more strikeout than you and one less walk. We'll check the stats, but if I'm right, Tyler, maybe you owe me a beer. And so thank you to all our regional memories as well. Uh, now I'm going to move back to our team, Spencer Bogad, a longtime teammate we've been talking about. I think many people will remember him being on Sports Center. It was the first one from the NWLA tournament that was on Sports Center, his home run robbery. But more than that, it was that that game especially was one of the best games we've ever played in. And I say that, but we should have lost that game 100%. We were losing to Hessfield because Matt Buttram was one of the most amazing pitchers in that era. And he was shutting us down. At one point, Spencer Bogad even decided, Chris Metter kept getting walked. And we're like, maybe he can't pitch to lefties. So Spencer decided, you know what? I'm going to switch. I'm going to go to lefty and I'm going to hit, see if he walks me too. Pumps two strikes. Boom, boom. It was just like clockwork. And we're like, okay, never mind. We're all laughing at the bench. Like we knew this game was over. We're going to lose. And Spencer Bogad was like, I'm just going to swing at the next pitch. He swings, gets the tip of the bat on it, and hits a double down the line. It was like a little dinker double. Like it went probably 10 feet in front of home plate, like just past the, the bunt line. And he gets on second base for a, a down the line double. And we actually ended up um, not scoring against Matt Buttram. But then all of a sudden, that's after that at bat, Matt got hurt. And it's unfortunate. You hate to, you hate to win that way. Um, but... It was that's how it was his arm and he actually has never been to the NWLA tournament ever since he got hurt in that game and they brought in a lefty and we made a pretty big comeback I think down four or five runs and then that put us into the game against WSEM for our second championship appearance in a row in 2017 
And Spencer Bogad pitched in that game against Farkas too and set the record for innings pitched in a single tournament. So that game kind of catapulted us into that chance for Spencer to get to that tournament record as well. So what a game for Spencer um, and what a moment that we'll never forget too. Um, another one, a game off Ma that we did, speaking of Pittsburgh, this first year in Pittsburgh, and it's a Chris Metter moment that I'll never forget. And Ma had just been hitting. We got them out, and um, I'm pretty sure they were beating us one nothing, something like that. And Chris Metter is up next, and Ma had, in frustration, whoever got out threw their bat on our side. For those of you that know, many people use the hard plastic bats in this tournament. And, you know, the old school wiffle ball bats. And it's, it's a rule you can use whatever bat you want as long as that you're not um, covering the hole on the bottom and you don't go above the molded grip area with your uh, tape. Now, a bunch of teams have used these. We never, ever had a, a hard wiffle ball bat, uh, an old plastic bat, until last year. Last year was the first year we had them. And... I remember Chris Metter in Pittsburgh, he sees this bat and he goes, oh, this is one of those hard ones. And he goes, I'm going to use it. You know, it moth threw it on our side and Chris comes up and no joke, the first time we ever use a hard plastic bat, he hits a home run goes over the fence, hits a home run, ties the game against Ma. And I remember Red Sarnowski, Chris comes over to, to the bat and he goes, I think this is our bat. We'll take that back. And obviously it wasn't the bat. It was the pitch and he hit, he hit well. But it was just funny that the first time he, we used a hard plastic bat, Chris Metter of all people, many of you know as the dinking single guy, he hit a home run with Ma's bat. And Ma took it back right after that. So a memory that Chris will never forget and, and we won't forget from that one too. All right, two more for you. I'm 10 down, two to go here. And this next one I want to talk about is rivalries. It's always fun to see the different rivalries that form in the NWA tournament. We've had a few. Like we always used to say OCWA was kind of our rival, but when we've only beat them maybe twice in our entire career, it's not really a rivalry if they've beaten us 10 times. So the first ever big rivalry that came about for us, we think, was CCW. Back in the day, they were ISWB, Indy Southside Wiffle Ball. And in their very first appearance in pool play in Morency, ISWB comes in. Brendan Dudas brings a ragtag squad, and we beat them 27 to nothing in that year in Morency. Their first ever appearance, you knew Brendan was like, what the heck just happened? And they did not have a good, uh, good year that year. But our first time we ever played them, we won 27 to nothing. After that, we kind of had a record on them. We were like 3-0 and uh, you know, against them. And then all of a sudden, you know, they started beating us too. And we went back and forth. It seemed like every other game. There's been some huge ones, like the Gus and Speak Jr. game that went 15, 16 innings. They both blew their arms out. They've never been the same pitchers since. And we ended up winning that one one nothing in the 16th inning. And Gus and Speak Jr. pitched the entire game. And we never could ever make a run after that because both of our aces just went kaput. And we've had so many great battles with CCW, Alec Buckman, you know, Aiden Palmer, um, Will Smithy in Pittsburgh. And then obviously in Indy last year, we went six and three in the NWA tournament and we made it to the finals. All three of our losses were against CCW. So it's kind of interesting that full circle moment when CCW beat us one to nothing in the championship 
after we had beat them in their first game too. So kind of a cool full circle moment for them to kind of make it from 27 nothing to finally winning their first championship. So a rivalry that we love. We love all those guys from CCW, and we love playing some great competition every single time. It's always going to be a good game when we face off against those guys. So thank you, CCW, Brendan Dudas, and all you guys for, for being great sports when we play each other. And um, even in the game when it's intense, we know afterwards we can always say good job, good game, and, and go have a beer together. So thank you, CCW. All right, and that'll bring me to the last one. You know, the memory that I think, you know, I can round this out with is the friends we have made. Um, we want to thank all the people that have, the friends we've made along the years that have played in the SWBL. We've had big names like Farkas and Zach Artem. Uh, Flackney has won a championship. Jimmy Coles won a cha- championship with the SWBL. We had the SWBL Diamondbacks for years, the MNWA squad, and they had off people like Evan Bischoff who got to come and play as well. Um, we've gotten to meet so many great people through the NWLA tournament. Trent Steffes and Austin Steffes, the last kind of two that have played the past couple of years for us um, here in the SWBL. It's great to still have those connections. Trent coming last year playing for the White Sox. And it's, it's truly amazing to see the friendships and the lifelong friendships that you can make through this sport. Um, and we want to thank, you know, CCW for hosting Spencer and Cam who've played in their leagues before. I got to play in HRL one year, which was an amazing experience. And we've met people, got to play in Ma and uh, the Way Too Beautiful franchise uh, and UWIF, a couple of our players got to play in as well. So it's amazing to have those connections and to kind of create these bonds that we will have for the rest of our lives through this game that we play as adults. And there's still lots of wiffle left this year. We're very excited for the NWLA tournament, obviously, this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic tournament. Glad we got to 16 teams, and Jacob Davey is going to put on one hell of a show. We have a lot of other tournaments coming up. The NWA tournament, the end of summer classic. NWA is the new Missouri League coming to the NWLA tournament, but they are actually having a tournament next weekend after NWA tournament, and we're excited for that one. We won the first year, couldn't go the second year, so we're coming back for the third year. Um, if all our arms aren't tired, then um, hopefully we can put on a good showing. The week after that is more wiffle ball because MLW, Major League Wiffle, is coming to St. Louis. We are so excited to see the Magic faced off against the Cobras. And already got our tickets. A lot of people from MOWIF and SWBL will be there. I'm even bringing my 12-year-old to come with me. I'm very excited to see MLW in St. Louis to play at the Gateway Grizzlies game. If you don't have tickets, get them now. Uh, the Tata Wiffleball Tournament, actually one of the most underappreciated uh, wiffleball tournaments in St. Louis. Um, has about 50 teams in it. Um, all the money goes to breast cancer research. Um, they put on a great tournament as well. MOWIF playoffs are coming up, and then obviously we have SWBL Fall Ball, which will take place in the fall in September, and then United Wiffle in October. Still so much Wiffle Ball after NWA Tournament. Marks the middle of our Wiffle Ball seasons, as the Monday host, Paul Cook, alluded to. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this Holy Commutes and me ramble on for these past 30 minutes as we talk about the my and my team's 12 favorite moments from the past seasons of the NWA tournament as we head into year number 12. All right, for Sam Skibby, I want to say happy birthday to Trent Steffes, who has his birthday on Thursday this week. So if you see Trent this weekend, wish him a happy belated. 
Uh, he wanted to take the week off for his birthday and getting you know jerseys ready and things for NWA tournament. Um, so happy birthday, Trent. Love you, buddy. And to everybody else, thank you for listening to Holy Commutes, the only show in Wiffle Ball that gives you daily Wiffle content from around the Wiffle world. My name is Sam Skibby, filling in for Trent Steffes, who will be back with his brother Austin next week. We'll see you in Pittsburgh for the 12th annual NWLA tournament. It's going to be a good one, folks. See you soon.